0: Sign up for the Eat Denver meetup. Free beer, free beer. Jeez, um, free beer. I get I get pretty loose about 1.5 IPAs in, uh, and so that, <laughs> it doesn't take much,
1: huh? It doesn't Especially take much it, no, I'm when a, you've I'm been fasted for easy. 36 hours. Before. Yeah. <laughs> Bankless Nation, it is the third Friday of February. We're after Valentine's Day now. And uh, David, what are we getting ready to do? Gary Gensler, not showing us any love, is he, this week?
0: No, not this week. Not this week at all. But there's so much other cool stuff, uh, apart from the SEC ban hammer, that came to to hit us on the head this last week. So we're going to cover all of that weekly news and more because, Ryan... Like you asked, it's the Friday weekly roll-up where we cover all the weekly news and more, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless.
1: It is. Uh, okay. The SEC versus crypto, right after we recorded last week, Gary smacks us upside the head like three times, I think. Literally one
0: hour after we were done recording, the biggest news of the week dropped. And I was like, ah. Oh. He was waiting. He, he, like, he, was, he, was, he was waiting afraid. for us to finish. Yeah. yeah. He was afraid that the roll-up was going to capture all of this. Yeah. And uh, he until after. to sneak it after. us. Yeah. yeah it's sneaky, not going to work, Gary. sneaky Gary. Let's talk about that.
1: Sneaky <laughs> <Sticky> Gary. <laughs> the SEC versus crypto, we'll talk about that. Also, David, the Blur token dropped.
0: Yep. We've got some details Big on drop. that, don't we? Big
1: drop, yep. Mm-hmm. What We've else got we got? A
0: bunch of numbers. Uh, we also found the source of SPF's bailout money. Really? So we're gonna talk, yeah, we're gonna talk about who actually paid for SPF's bailout. Um, the name Stanford comes to mind. Uh, Ordinals, Bitcoin Ordinals, not dead yet, still growing in energy. Third week in a row where we can still talk about Bitcoin Ordinals, so glad that that's not turning into a fad. This Um, is the the most Bitcoin content in years from Beggars. Yeah, (laughs) we have this section in the weekly roll-up called Bitcoin Stuff. It's empty 90% of the time, but like the last three weeks in a row, it's all been Ordinals. Uh, So more ordinal stuff continues. Uh, Celsius customers might get their money back, kind of some of it maybe maybe ryan maybe you you tell, tell me there's that? hope david you <laughs> tell me there's hope for me hope. huh there's a little bit of hope uh, uh, and then also the zkevm wars are heating up once again uh, so we'll cover all of this and more david before we get in we
1: got to talk about something we don't usually talk about or mm. shill and that is a bankless <laughs> citizenship mm-hmm. we just call this bankless premium we're rebranding We Rebrand. are a citizen mm-hmm. of the bankless nation and uh, what is a bankless citizenship? And by the way, what are we looking at here? Because this looks like an event for the bankless nation at um, a conference that's coming up. What are we looking at?
0: Yeah, exactly. So bankless citizens all get all of the extras that comes in the bankless ecosystem. There's an extra free podcast. Uh, there are in real life events. Uh, weekly there's podcast. A weekly like podcast. Yeah, you Exactly, yeah. the debriefs, yeah. There's just a bunch of extra perks. And, and we've uh, hired out uh, like two quarters ago and continue to hire out. And now a lot of this stuff is coming into fruition. Uh, so the perks of being a bankless citizen are uh, up only. One of these perks is the Bankless Nation meetup. Uh, we so much of the bankless team, I think uh, nine of us, not including me, are showing up to ETH Denver. Not Ryan, <laughs> uh, Sorry, and so we're hosting a meetup. And so for the premium members, for the Bankless citizens, there is a meetup. We are at two thirds capacity. So this is your final reminder that if you are a Bankless citizen and you are also going to Eat Denver to sign up for the Eat Denver meetup, free beer, free beer. Jeez, um, free beer. I get I get pretty loose about one point five IPAs in, uh, and so that, <laughs> it doesn't take much, huh? It doesn't Especially take much no, I'm when a, you've I'm been fasted for thirty six hours. Before. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, so there's a
0: link in the show notes if you are not a premium member but you do excuse me if you are not a bankless citizen and you would like to go go. to the in real life event sign up for uh, sign up Uh, we're going to be doing this at ECC we're going to be doing this at permissionless in September your bankless citizenship also gets you 30% off of permissionless tickets which pays for itself by the way uh, and will also give you access to all the future things that we do as well you're going to love it link in the show notes all right, David. Let's flip to markets. What's uh, Bitcoin doing for us this week? Uh, Bitcoin very happy this week. Chad, Chad levels of happiness. Uh, started the week at twenty two thousand six hundred, uh, ending the week just shy of twenty five thousand dollars. We did touch twenty five thousand dollars. We are currently at twenty four thousand eight hundred dollars. So is that 10%? a ten percent? Ten percent. Nice job, Bitcoin. Dang. Nice crushing job. it. Is sh- this taking sh- off the rest? Yeah. Um, NFT fervor. I don't think this is NFT fervor. Can uh, we say it is though? C- Can we just? Uh, Make up it would. It happened in the same week, so yes, it is absolutely <laughs> NFT forever on, on Bitcoin. That's why Perfect. this happened. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, and we called it too. We predicted it. We knew 100%. it would be ten percent. Never miss uh, a call. ETH. How's ETH doing?
0: ETH uh, started the week at sixteen thirty, up six percent to seventeen Uh ten. We're breaking through that seventeen hundred dollar mark. If we can keep our head, at, there's a, a resistance line, a meme line, at seventeen hundred dollars, and we are currently ten dollars above that. Uh, If we can hold that and we be above the mean line, that means we have broken through some resistance. And hopefully that means you get continuation uh, if you believe in this kind of thing, this voodoo chart magic. Pop
1: quiz. So when Bitcoin price goes up more than ETH price, what happens to the ratio, David?
0: Uh, The ratio uh, between Ether and Bitcoin goes down from an Ethereum perspective. So we are down 4.5%, which is a big move for the ratio on the week. So Bitcoin definitely won the week this week. Definitely uh, won the week. And David, what would we do without Kraken, who provided us these glorious
1: charts, allows us to, on a weekly basis, tell you the price of ETH,
0: tell you the price of Bitcoin. Otherwise, how would you know? It's not like how, you, how, you check how the prices. You know? Yeah, you can still you can still tell that Ryan's still using uh, his old tabs method, even though that these uh, Kraken charts have tabs inside of the tabs. tabs so You don't tabs. have to use your browser tabs. You can just use oh, Kraken tabs. I, Ryan, I Ryan's got Soul BTC up. Yeah, yeah, Ryan's looking at the Soul BTC <laughs> ratio. <laughs> just curious. Uh, how's that doing? Can you zoom out on that uh, over on the top left? You can go to the four hour uh, candles instead of the yeah, one hour candles. Four hours. Yeah, yeah. How's the um, uh, Soul BTC doing? Ooh, not great. Yeah. Total market cap for
1: crypto. I know we're above a trillion, right? What's Mm -hmm. the number?
0: We are almost at 1.2 trillion. We got 1.17 trillion dollars in total crypto market cap. Uh, Bullish, bullish. I'm not feeling bearish right now. I'm not. I'm not bearish at all.
1: Um, Does does that concern me? I mean, it's been like what 260 some days, 250 days or something since um, all-time lows on
0: Ether. Uh, That's not that long in the scheme of things. Yeah. Well, so Ether bottomed back in last, like, April or May in yeah. dollar terms. Bitcoin yeah. bottomed recently in November. So Ether, in the FTX crash, Bitcoin hit a new low. Ether's did not hit a new low. So Ether's been, like, uh, having higher lows for a long time now. It's actually because, it like, no one really expected the 2022 bear market to be as bad as it was, and so we were like halfway through 2022, and it's like, oh, is this bear market happening or not? And then all the way through 2022, it's like, oh, this is definitely happening. Now we're into February. We're like almost a year and a half into a bear market, and that's not a short amount of time. So like people just, are like, oh, how will this bear market is gonna be so brutal? We're a year and a half into it. Almost. It hasn't been brutal, has it? Like I, I just from from an e- ether has had a better time this bear market than okay. And Ether and Bitcoin has had a better time this bear market than every other asset We'll talk about why so, that like, might
1: be true when yeah. we get to uh, the ultrasound money charts a little bit later mm-hmm. But first we got to do our inflation watch David. Mm-hmm. So the inflation report came out this week and uh, how are we doing? I'll read the headline and you tell me what this means David inflation rose 0.5% in January more than expected and up 6.4% from a year ago, that's up 6.4% but overall down in annualized inflation numbers, but it rose. 0.5 percent in january which as i understand it was a bit higher than most people in the market w- was expecting so w- w- what do you take from this uh yeah so
0: uh, the markets really liked this so i think even though it's higher than expectations i think the downtrend the market is starting to believe in this downtrend uh it's interesting. It's like it kind of counterintuitive, but the markets are liking it, and I think people are. The market is uh, overall accounting for the fact that inflation has definitely peaked. It's funny to me because I I, I don't like this is a little higher than I expected, right?
1: So mm-hmm. just to give you context, in just January alone is 0.5 percent increase in inflation. December yeah. was only a 0.1 percent increase in inflation. Right. So yeah. the annualized number covers a lot because it's a trailing uh, 12 months. Even though that was down on the month, we were like 5x up. I don't know mm. if that makes sense. I, I do think that this means we're guaranteed to get more rate increases from the Fed, at Probably. least another 025 percent increase. I think mean, that was already on the table, but that yes. was already on the table, and this just uh, this just guarantees it. I I saw um some headlines from the New York Times. Uh, one of the subtitles was evidence is mounting that it could be a long road back to normal, which also begs the question, David, of what is normal? Yeah. Two percent
0: is no longer the
1: normal number. I don't anymore. think will like I don't think that should be considered the the new normal. And I, I'm not kind of making excuses for the for the Fed. Obviously, I mean we we, we talk a lot about the problem of, of money printing here. But mm-hmm. for everyone to just expect inflation to go back to two percent and for it to reset um, after we kind of get through this you know COVID supply chain thing. That we've gone through over the past 24 months i think that is fantasy land i don't think yeah. we're going uh, quite there and maybe this um proves that inflation's going to be a bit more pernicious than some people thought
0: yeah well uh, inflation conspiracy theorists which i don't think it's an actual conspiracy but uh has is you know it's only reported to be at this level the actual real inflation Uh, is likely always going to be higher than what's reported. And people who are familiar with this are the citizens of Argentina. And this is a a tweet that we're looking at from Dylan Leclerc where annualized Argentine inflation hits 99%, basically 100% inflation level, which means that the value of the Argentine peso loses 50% of its value over an annualized basis Uh, At the current monthly inflation levels measured in January, highest since 1991. Can you
1: imagine that? So think about that. So you're making $100,000 last year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your salary, let's say. Now it's only worth $50,000. So you hadn't gotten a pay raise at all. You just cut in half your um, price-adjusted earnings.
0: Right. But then you'll go to your employer and be like, well, because of inflation, you have to pay me more. And the employer's like, yeah, I have to pay you more. And so wages go up, which means spending goes up, which means inflation furthers, which is why this spirals out of control. So like we talk about like I wanted to put this in the agenda because we always talk about like, oh, inflation's at 7 percent. Oh, it's going down to six and a half percent. We are so privileged in America to be talking about single-digit inflation. Argentina and many, many other countries have been dealing with 20 30% inflation for, like, decades now. And so, like, the difference between what is the official reported inflation numbers, which is always suppressed because it makes governments look better, versus what actual real inflation is, like, this is... This is like new to a lot of American listeners. This is a part of life and culture in so many countries around the world. Yeah, you look at this
1: chart. Um, in 2019, Argentina was hitting over 50% inflation, almost 60% mm-hmm. inflation some months, right? This is um, well, increased, but it's not mm-hmm. like 50% is uh, is the easy road here. Um, speaking of inflation, David, this is about the opposite of inflation. This I is called, be called deflation, deflation, <laughs> deflation, my friend. This is ETH supply, and it's a, a dip, a chart that's only going one direction. That direction is down. We talked about this the last couple of times in the roll-up, but I can't believe it. Um, we are down almost a full...
0: 25,000 Ether.
1: Yeah, down 25,000 Ether since the merge, the merge. happened, yep. which is... Uh, pretty crazy that was 154 days ago this must mean that gas fees are up this must mean that block space demand is uh being demanded and <laughs> um yeah i i i guess maybe tell us what this means gas, yeah, gas so is we, the new we've oil. hit
0: a new 24 hour eth burn record 3,800. this was a result of the blur token airdrop uh gas prices That's hit why. Something like five, it sustained 500 Guay for almost an hour, dude. And we haven't seen that since DeFi summer days. It peaked out at 750 Guay. Uh, The new 24-hour burn record is about 3,800 Ether burned inside of 24 hours. I think we almost burned 1,000 Ether inside of one hour at the very, very peak. The monthly inflation rate for Ether is negative one quarter of 1%, uh, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Gashies I, are back. Can I ask you, so, I, I mean, this is incredible, and it's
1: incredible to see this in, in, in a bear market, so-called, mm-hmm. right? That's block space demand being so off the charts. Why isn't somebody like a Michael Saylor all over Ether as an asset? Like, w- why are some of these people think so if you fixated? could answer that
0: question, you get, like, a Nobel Prize. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, but I, I, this is, um, is this not sound money? I mean, is th- th- this is deflationary. I know Bitcoiners will define sound money a little bit differently and they'll say, because right, they don't like tinkering with
0: the monetary supply. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But human this is, control over the monetary but supply. But this is not
1: human control. This is all like code driven at this point. Right. But humans tinkered with it too recently. So you have to wait 10 years until you buy it Yeah, your ETH And, like and so,
0: some of the, the hardest, hardcore Bitcoiners were like, well, they humans tinkered with it once, therefore it's tainted for forever. But this so is an, an argument. Some will never accept it as legitimate. This is an argument we made going
1: back as as far as 2018, which is like there's really no incentive to tinker it in the inflationary direction, is there? Right. Right. If you just everyone think about, only
0: wants it to become more deflationary.
1: Yeah. If you think about all the evil ETH people, um, <laughs> like, and they have the dials of the monetary. Even if you think that, which is mm-hmm. which is totally not true, but like even if you think that, yeah, well, the, all the evil ETH people probably hold a lot of ether, don't they? Right. Yeah. And so why in the
0: world? would they be incented to increase the supply of Ether? I guess you could... It's it's just two different philosophies. Bitcoiners are like, if you never ever touch the monetary policy, people will, will grow to trust it. And then the Ethereum philosophy is like, if you only make changes that benefit the holder base then people become start to trust it and like if you uh, see every single ethereum monetary policy change ever it has always been towards the more scarce direction and now recently with the combination of EIP 1559 and proof of stake the supply of ether is becoming more scarce than bitcoin judged by inflationary issuance uh, and so it's just a matter of what what do you what are your values and what do you appreciate do you appreciate something that never ever ever changes ever but still perhaps inflates more or do you uh, appreciate something that even while there is human input that human input is always into the more scarce direction like what do you want what do you want and also i think the human input into um the you know monetary policy of ether
1: is, is kind of almost fully ossified i mean there yeah. might be some other changes to to gas fee consumption but we're kind okay. of there yet
0: Kind of and also that. the conversation is like, well, okay, Bitcoiners and the Bitcoin philosophy is never, ever touch it. But then you run yourself into the dead end of like, well, then uh, your security budget runs out. And then you're forced to t- change it later after you've already in, like created this culture of never, ever touching it. And so you run into a dead end. That's the Ethereum uh, perspective on it. Yeah, Anyways. exactly. Well, let's, ta- well, let's and
1: talk about uh, some Bitcoin stuff because Bitcoin block space w- revenue is up as well.
0: It's is is, also up. Yeah. yeah.
1: What are we looking at, though? This is the Bitcoin halvening cycles.
0: Yeah, so uh, this is a, an arbitrary chart that is uh, four years in length, uh, day since halving. Uh, and then they're inside of this four years of time. There's this arbitrary lines of hype, disillusionment, enlightenment. Um, but it's pretty obvious that the first one-ish year, one and a half years after a halving, Bitcoin has only gone up. Three out of three times. How many happenings have we had? Three, Either three or four. Uh, and so Bitcoin has only gone up in the one and a half years post halvening In the second half, uh, after that, one and a half to like two and a half years after a happening, Bitcoin only has gone down. And we have continued that pattern. And then in the, what is the last phase, the perhaps one to one and a half years before the next happening, Bitcoin is flat to up-ish. Flat to upish, more on the upside, I'd say. And so we are now in that last phase. Uh, and the idea here is that if this trend continues, the approach to the halving, the one to one and a half years up to the halving, is definitely a upwards trend in Bitcoin price. That is what this chart shows. This is uh,
1: three halvings over time, and the, and the red line is is the most recent, right? So mm-hmm. we're getting ready to enter in the fourth. And so it does predict this enlightenment period where Bitcoin's just going to go on
0: a tear, go on a run. David, so I, no, I would say it goes up and then it hits the halving and then uh, it goes into exactly. That's right. right. Then, then right. it goes into after enlightenment. Then we
1: get into the hype, hype phase yeah. again, and then it, that's when it overreaches. It restarts. Uh, let me ask you though. I mean, this has been mm. true of previous cycles, but do you still think King Bitcoin controls the crypto markets in such a way? Do you th- do you think that it has? I mean, first of all, the halvings are much smaller than previously. So mm. in terms of um,
0: like Bitcoin we're, we're denominated at 6. 6.25 bitcoins issue per block now in about a year and a half it'll be uh, 1 3.125. Yeah, and
1: and so that's one argument I'd make. The, the second argument I'd make is like, well, um I I don't think the Bitcoin has the narrative any longer in crypto. I mm-hmm. mean, I I think that um, Ethereum, for example, or web3 in general or other crypto assets has more of the narrative capture than than Bitcoin. At this point, and that that wasn't true in previous happening cycles, but I think it is true now. Do you think Bitcoin
0: still can control the market in this way? Uh, yeah, I think that might be an Ethereum, like inside of the Ethereum world perspective. Um, I think from the outside perspective, Bitcoin is still Bitcoin and still dominates. Uh, I, I think that what you are saying will be true when the flipping happens, almost by definition. Um, I think that like what is... Culturally, re- Web three is far more culturally relevant than Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is like a financial asset, and it's also the biggest financial asset. So it still is in the driver's seat. But every single how every single year that this goes on, I think that that is less and less true as time goes on. Yeah. Well, we will see what happens this time.
1: I do think directionally, this will prove to be uh, correct. One other thing uh, that we'll leave folks with in the market section, David, is Chainalysis came out with their annual report on illicit cryptocurrency activity. David, do you want to guess the percentage
0: of crypto transactions that are so-called illicit uh, as reported well, by Chainalysis? Well, the chain last analysis? time this report came out from Chainalysis, it was something like 1%-ish. I think it was less than 1%. I think it was something like 0.8 or 0.9%. What is it now?
1: I, I By the way, I appreciate you not looking uh, at the answer and actually uh, doing a good faith guess because it is on screen right now. 0.24%.
0: Huh, that's really low
1: really low that's really a percentage low. of uh, illicit inactivity and these it's guys pretty cap- close to zero Ryan. Well, these guys <laughs> capture it all it's not just like um you know terrorist financing although that is one category this includes ransomware this includes scams this includes cyber criminal administrators this includes fraud sh- shops and dark net markets and stolen funds and everything that um, ofac has has sanctioned it includes all of that and it comes mm. in at a whopping point two four percent hmm what do you think the illicit activity of like cash money cash. real life physical cash is approaching a hundred percent i'm guessing it's a lot more than a 0.24 percent um yeah and by the way these are the guys I, who I, know. I
0: joke with uh my friends like the only time i use cash nowadays is to uh for drugs and laundry and not even drugs these days <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: great um yeah so look at this man i Anyway, point this stat out next time someone tells you that all cryptocurrency is just like for criminal criminals and drug lords. You'd think that meme would die it, you know, back 10 years ago when it stopped being true, but it's still alive somehow in our halls of Congress. Um, yeah. David, what it's do we got coming code. up next?
0: Coming up next, the SEC comes with a ban hammer on Kraken, on Paxos, on all the things. So we're going to cover the news that dropped right after we recorded the weekly roll up last week. Um, there's... Also, plenty of cool stuff to talk about. The Blur airdrop. Uh, we also found out the source of SPS bailout money. Bitcoin ordinals oh, alive cool. more than ever. The ZKEVM wars. A uh, lot of lots of cool stuff. So stick around. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors, especially Kraken, who's helping Ryan become a charter these days. Here we go. Kraken has been a leader in the crypto industry for the last twelve years, dedicated to accelerating the global adoption of crypto. Kraken puts an emphasis on security, transparency, and client support, which is why over nine million clients have. Have come to love Kraken's products. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, the Kraken UX is simple, intuitive, and frictionless, making the Kraken app a great place for all to get involved and learn about crypto. For those with experience, the redesigned Kraken Pro app and web experience is completely customizable to your trading needs, integrating key trading features into one seamless interface. Kraken has a 24-7, 365 client support team that is globally recognized. Kraken support is available wherever, whenever you need them, by phone, chat, or email. And for all of you NFTers out there, the brand new Kraken NFT beta platform gives you the best NFT trading experience possible. Rarity rankings, no gas fees, and the ability to buy an NFT straight with cash. Does your crypto exchange prioritize its customers the way that Kraken does? And if not, sign up with Kraken at kraken.com/bankless. Hey Bankless Nation, if you're listening to this, it's because you're on the free Bankless RSS feed. Did you know that there's an ad-free version of Bankless that comes with the Bankless Premium subscription? No ads, just straight to the content. But that's just one of many things that a Premium subscription gets you. There's also the Token Report, a monthly bullish, bearish, neutral report on the hottest tokens of the month. And the regular updates from the Token Report go into the Token Bible, your first stop shop for every token worth investigating in crypto. Bankless Premium also gets you a 30% discount to the permissionless conference, which means it basically just pays for itself. There's also the airdrop guide to make sure you don't miss a drop in 2023. But really, the best part about Bankless Premium is hanging out with me, Ryan, and the rest of the Bankless team in the Inner Circle Discord, only for Premium members. Want the alpha? Check out Ben the Analyst's Pit, where you can ask him questions about the token report. Got a question? I've got my own Q&A room for any questions that you might have at Bankless. We have huge things planned for 2023, including a new website with login with your Ethereum address capabilities. And we're super excited to ship what we are calling Bankless 2.0 soon TM. So if you want extra help exploring the frontier, subscribe to Bankless Premium, it's under 50 cents a day and provides a wealth of knowledge and support on your journey west. I'll see you in the discord.
1: Here we go, David, the SEC ban hammer. Tell us,
0: where is Gary Gensler swinging his hammer this time? Mm -hmm. Uh, Kraken has agreed to shutter its crypto staking services to settle with the SEC. They've paid a $30 million fine to settle out of court. Uh, The SEC has accused Kraken of offering unregistered securities in their staking products. Uh, So the SEC claims that Kraken sold staking services to the public. They pulled crypto assets uh, and staked them on their behalf, but did some extra things as well beyond just simply staking that created uh, a unregistered security, um, and so Kraken has agreed to shutter that service uh, and wind down that, that program. Um, yeah, what's your take on this, Ryan?
1: Oh, that that is of course when you said stake, you mean st. A-K-E, not S-T-E-A-K. Okay, a part of this story, <laughs> where this is going to be
0: a reoccurring theme. Every enforcement action that we get, first with Kraken, then with Paxos and one other, we get this influencer, uh, video. influencer video from <laughs> Gary Gensler, which is extremely infantilizing. It's like talking about proof of stake, and Gary Gensler goes, that's S-T-A-K-A-E, not S-T-E-A. Who is the target market for this? Anybody Apparently, who is children. staking. Children? Children?
1: What kind of child? That's what
0: he's talking. Like, should we should we play this? Let's let's play this line. All right, let's let's play a clip of this. What does stake have to do with our securities laws? That's S T A K E, not S T E A K. Thanks, Gary. Got <laughs> the music. Office hours. You ready? In the crypto markets, there are various ways to validate data stored on crypto.
1: There we go. I mean, we My can go God. on with this. Yeah, Thanks, that's what we're dealing Gary. with right now. Um, Thanks, Gary, okay. So why? I'm sure Gary had a justifiable reason for ending staking at Kraken, did he not?
0: So there is there are differences between uh like just taking customers' ether, staking it on their behalf, and passing along their rewards. So Kraken actually advertised a fixed yield, not a dynamic yield. And so of course, the the yield that you get from staking your assets is dynamic. But uh, Kraken advertised like, you will get this percentage. And then they did some other things that they could do because of economies of scale to make the product a better product. but because they were doing some extra things, they were finessing this, if you will, uh, that went from just being like a software as a security provider, I guess, to being an unregistered security. So like technically, I'm not a securities lawyer. Uh, technically, they, what they did changed their product from just being a service provider to being an unregistered security. But I'll ask the question, to what risk was there, right? And so like, yeah, they're doing some extra things that changed the nature of the product, but... Is what's the risk?
1: Well, I'm confused. My argument is this, right? Like all of the things that you mentioned are pretty freaking easy tweaks to make. Right. If Gensler and the SEC, if they had a problem, like this product has existed for a very, very long time. And suddenly now the SEC is giving it the ban hammer. Why Mm -hmm. not just have a conversation with Kraken? I mean, they could have done something like tighter mandates around proof of reserves which right. I think the entire industry uh, supports with respect to staking. More more transparency into where the funds are going, like, like lots of detail there. That this could, could have be been a productive conversation. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't. They could have also said something about decentralized staking options and, and right. maybe that being another path. But instead, we just got the Gary G. Banhammer, Banhammer smacked yeah. across our head. And by the way, Kraken uh, in the EU, they're still offering mm-hmm. staking services, of course. Yep. Because this is only
0: for U.S. citizens, your so cracking is still up and running, totally fine, except for U.S. citizens. Yeah.
1: Oh, but but why is this being banned in the U.S. then? I mean, like maybe because Gary Gensler wants to trap us in his financial yeah, prison, exactly because of Gerber. I so I don't understand exactly why they went with the approach of uh, pay us thirty million dollars and you know there's no remediation around and this. Shut you down, just, down your service. You just yeah. shut pay it us down. money and
0: shut down your service. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's absolutely like it's almost like extortion. I'm like. It's um it's brutal the way that this is playing right. out. Now, our friend Commissioner Hester Purse had something to say about it. So, of course, she dissented. Is this like the The second week in a row, we've talked about one of Hester Peirce's dissents, because I think we have two dissents, Hester Peirce's dissents, in today's agenda. But this is the first one on the SEC Kraken
0: shutdown. What does she say? Uh, I'm going to skip to my favorite quote. Uh, Hester Peirce says, a paternalistic and lazy regulator settles (laughs) on a solution like the one in this settlement. Do not initiate a public Uh. process to develop a workable registration process that provides valuable information to investors just they just shut it down the sec just shut it down like it's i have to you have to give a tip of the hat to hesser purse who's operating inside Guts. of an agency that is not doing things that are aligned with what she personally believes yet she's still there fighting the fight that she believes in like that's hard Ca- calling the agency that she works in a
1: paternalistic and lazy <laughs> regulator <laughs> That no, is. I mean, badass, she's basically man.
0: calling her boss. They like uh, Gary Gensler's not her boss. I guess not. But right? he's That's like in the bigger works, but... chair, and she's calling him a paternalistic and lazy regulator. I am so impressed. <laughs> so, I'm just so impressed by it's this. It's awesome.
1: Like, it is incredible. Um, and look, she. It's not. It's not just the words she's using, which are impressive. But like, she's raising lots of substance here. We've known mm. about crypto staking programs for a long time. Um, she also says, although it may not have made a difference in this case, I should have called for us to put out guidance on staking long before now. This is what a leader does, too, is is take some accountability in mm-hmm. this. Like, it's just so refreshing. And right. uh, look, this is, this is a model for how all regulators should approach this space and approach their jobs in general. Right. I'm told we say first principles too often on the podcast. We, we do not say first relates. principle. You cannot
0: it, say the word first principles. Too
1: this often is a words. first principles regulator. I'm going to yes. say it. Yes, she's doing her job right here, and it's incredible mm-hmm. to watch in the, in the in the contrast
0: of those that aren't doing their job. Yeah, uh, this is also coming out. So Hester is not the only person who's identified this. Uh, this is Representative Bill Huzienga pretty sick last name, Uh, who tweets out since Gary Gensler won't abide by his own policies to quote, come in and talk, the house GOP will hold him accountable today. As promised, our oversight of the SEC begins with a request for documents surrounding their interactions with SBF, FTX and the justice department kind of adjacent to the topic at hand being uh, staking, but uh, definitely relevant to the topic of what the hell is Gary's deal? Uh, and so looking I guess to maybe this progress.
1: Kraken made the mistake of not like bribing the right people, not <laughs> scratching Gary Gensler's back enough. I mean, is yeah. that the contrast here? Like I, maybe Jesse Powell should have, um, been sucking up to Gary a bit more and he wouldn't be in this position. Uh, is that yeah. what this implication is? It's like you mean Jesse Powell
0: should have succumbed to SEC extortion. Um, well, this is
1: this is kind of what it feels like because we know already that Chairman um, Gensler was meeting behind closed doors with FTX, had a very multiple cozy relationship times. with them multiple times. These meetings are on on public record. Right. Uh, didn't try to shut down any. Like Kraken has been servicing this industry for a very long time, number of years, right. twelve years. Gary was meeting with somebody and an entire exchange. That was, was 29 years old, <laughs> stealing billions of dollars from depositors. SPF was 17 when the time Jesse Powell created Kraken. I just it's stupid, David. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that somebody in government. Hopefully this is more than talk is is trying to hold some accountability for for what's going on here. So that is not the only voice of
0: dissent as well. Here's another one. David, what are we looking at? This is uh, Brian Armstrong tweets out: Coinbase's staking secu- services are not securities. We will have to happily defend this in court if needed. Translation: Come at me, bro. Uh, for, that Brian says to the SEC. <laughs> well, it, uh, how come, how come Coinbase uh, gets a pass right now and Kraken doesn't? Right. So Coinbase does less things with their staking product than Kraken did. So like I said, Kraken used economies of scale to finesse some extra cool features about the product to bolster the value of the product. Coinbase is doing a much more bare bones, simplified, we stake your Ether and then we pass you back the yield that you get. Uh, And so it's just much more simple. And so there's less... um, there's less like uh, they're touching the product less and they're just passing along the stake. Uh, and so because it's more simplified and there's less like agency that Coinbase is putting into the service. Then Gensler had more of an argument basically, exactly. right? Exactly. And yeah. Kraken for whatever reason decided to settle rather than right. fight this in court. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, but Brian here implying that they're happy, happy, happy to fight this in court.
0: Mm-hmm hmm. This is a tweet from Jason Gottlieb, who says, I find the SEC's all crypto projects have to do is come in and register line unbelievably insulting it assumes that there's this vast quantity of sophisticated securities lawyers advising their clients nah man screw the sec yolo baby do whatever you want Uh, which is a really good take crypto has some fantastic lawyers and all of them uh, implying that the fact that judging by the fact that none of these projects really come in to talk to the sec that whole line out of gary genser is like just come in and talk to us it's a trap it's a, well, it's a trap, but it's also, I think, the SEC doing propaganda to the rest of the non-crypto yeah. world, saying like, hey, like, are you confused about the crypto world? Uh, we just want them to come in and talk David, to that's, us. That's, and then like the average American is like, oh, those crypto lawyers are so naughty, when that's not at all what's true. That's what the Office Hours
1: with Gary influencer video right. was about. That's why he right. spelled out steak and thought it was like really funny and it's not meat. Haha, <laughs> 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 it's actually like staking your asset and like he wasn't talking to anyone in crypto we all know this
0: he's not talking to us he was talking that's why we always are like right? we always go like but gary come on bankless he's not coming on bankless dude like he doesn't want to talk to us but but seriously gary come on Bankless. but seriously gary come on bankless (laughs) i've like we've asked him i don't know how many times Uh, and uh uh, yeah a handful of times he doesn't care to interface with us he is with and it's not not just us own agenda
1: it's like but people are listening and be like but that's because you guys talk smack about gary all the time it's like first if he ever came on (laughs) We would be very cordial. We have to never, you, ever Gensler. been antagonist to a guest ever, nor would we. No, we would uh, love to talk to you. I think it would be a, you know, productive conversation. We're not going to sit here and kind of like uh, get you in gotchas that sort of thing. That's not what um, we do. That's not what we do. And then secondly, um, he won't come on any crypto podcast whatsoever. He won't even right. talk to the crypto community. The closest he right. comes is like the CNBC TradFi type space. So I don't know why he won't just collaborate. Like. To have a conversation with us. We're not shadowy super coders like Elizabeth Warren told you.
0: <laughs> Which brings us to this Miles Jennings tweet who is the counsel over at A16Z. So perfect leeway into this. Uh, Miles tweets out, it has now been... Four years since the last crypto-related guidance from the SEC, (laughs) whose chairman continues to focus on headlines rather than a legitimate effort to protect investors in accordance with the SEC's core mission. Four years since the SEC has given crypto any sort of guidance and only enforcement actions. So, like... You, you, we know he doesn't care to talk to us. It's been four years since he's given us any guidance. Yeah, all we've been asking for the entire
1: time is clarity,
0: guidance,
1: clarity. Do your do your job. Instead, instead it's regulation via enforcement. Um, okay, here's a here's a flip on this though. It's a lot of what I've heard this week uh, when we were talking about this. But David, Ryan, isn't this good for decentralized staking? Uh, so basically gary and and others regulators coming after the centralized exchanges and saying no that shall not stake well doesn't all of this staking liquidity go to decentralized staking
0: providers um i have a take on this what's your take though well i think you you can look at the market and agree that the market totally agrees with that take because both rp rpl is at all-time highs in ether terms almost all-time highs in dollar terms lido is at a very strong price performance so the market agrees with that take here, here's the thing I would say to everyone
1: arguing that, and I agree with elements of that too. We have no confidence that Gary Gensler isn't going to come for decentralized staking protocols next. Whatever he wants. Our he eth. is trying to increase his scope yeah. of influence. Our ETH. Is that a security? Yeah. Under Gensler's regime, who knows? That is Pool's right. staked ETH. We'd call it a derivative, but it's a, a token, staking token. Mm-hmm. Um, S ETH. Is that, is that a security? I mean,
0: there are all sorts of ways he could begin Where's to... Where's the line? Yeah, I'm sure everyone is like, no, of course not. Are you sure this that... This man has no lines with you? This man has no line. <laughs> he will go as far as
1: we let him. Right. And so th- that's why we have to um, try to stop it at every opportunity so it doesn't encroach into decentralized staking as well. Now, mm. it has to be a bridge too far for him to try to outlaw validating in your own freaking home. Right. Uh, it seems like that could be fought in court, but Uh, Who knows? Um, That that wasn't the only
0: SEC action this week, though. What's this, David? No, uh, crypto firm Paxos, which issues stablecoins, is to face SEC charges about the BUSD, the Binance stablecoin. Now, the relationship between uh, Paxos and Binance is interesting. Paxos is kind of like this white label service. So BUSD Binance dollar is offered and minted by and managed by Paxos. Uh, so it's kind of like putting the Binance brand on a Paxos stablecoin, and there's like synergies there. It's kind of—it's like, uh, but- kind of like Binance wants an American bank to help them with this, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So the SEC has ordered uh, Paxos to stop issuing Binance uh, US dollar. And the regulators cited that uh, it is as a result of unresolved issues relating to Paxos' oversight of its relationship with Binance. So I think if you read between the lines here, um, the regulators believe that BUSD and Binance are doing illicit things that they don't like, perhaps money laundering, wash trading, like a bunch of illicit stuff that, that probably offends them. And so they're going after Paxos, who's... Issuing BUSC and say, "Hey, stop doing that." Uh, the SEC is bringing a lawsuit to Paxos as a result of this. David, uh, I don't understand why this is in the scope
1: of the SEC at all.
0: Yeah, well, so this is this is all about like the whole coordinated effort, right? And so. The, it, again, if you read between the lines, we have, uh, new, the New York financial services, uh, like uh, regulatory body department of financial services, excuse me, the sec, uh, we have treasury, like every, like all of these, I'm guessing all of these agencies are like, you know, in whatever communication channels that they have with each other. And they're like, Hey, we want that to end sec, Go, you you go after Paxos. What can you do? it hard for it. Make it like, yeah, like, go get them. And (laughs) and so, like, this is like the government acting as kind of a monolith, which they don't usually do in order to, like, uh, you're coordinating. Yeah, they're coordinating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to me that they're picking on Binance in this way. I think now they're, they're picking on Binance through Paxos, but it's really, you could tell this is kind of targeted at Binance. I think it's harder for them to come at, like, coinbase usdc but mm-hmm. do you think they could be coming after circle and the usdc product next i
0: i, I don't think that there's a line
1: there's i don't no think line. there's
0: a line there is no line uh, and so
1: david they're not banning busd just paxos is no longer able to issue new yes. supply of busd so it's basically going into legacy mode and the, is paxos, so the supply of busd is down only is, is
0: paxos going to fight this do they have a way to fight this I don't know man I don't I don't think I haven't heard anything like that I don't know if they intend to fight it or not It's a wells notice it's really hard to fight the government isn't it Yes um, Yes
1: one other byproduct of this uh, is an article in Bloomberg that PayPal is pausing stablecoin work amid the regulatory scrutiny Remember all that good news of of PayPal and Venmo doing right. like a uh, stablecoin adoption well they've had to pause one of their partners was actually Paxos right for uh, the stablecoin product and they're like well
0: now what do we do? We have to get. Well, they got scared. Before th- they got scared, yeah. and this is this is like a success indicator for the SEC and all of those like regulators that don't want. They're crypto. slowing it down. They're like, oh yeah, well, this is what we wanted. Yeah, right. This is a positive second order effect for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, some crypto people are like, well, regulators don't matter, and like we'll be fine without them, and none of this you mean matters. Crypto anarchists, I, you mean? I agree that's true over the long run, right? But over the short run, they fight. do have the ability to slow it down. Yeah. Just slow adoption velocity, specifically in the jurisdiction where they have some power, and, and it looks like that's what they're doing. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. with with um, PayPal. So, David, question of how do we fight this? There's all sorts of ways for people to get involved. Uh, one of which is we depend on actually people with some power mm-hmm. uh, to go to Washington and fight the fight, not the way that Sam Bankman-Fried did with bribing all the politicians. <laughs> at least, I, I hope that's not the case. Um, what's this a picture of? What are we looking
0: at? This is just Brian Armstrong and what I'm assuming is the Coinbase legal team, perhaps some others as well. Uh, They were in Washington, they're in Washington, D.C. fighting this fight. Uh, And so, This is just the way that uh, regulation and innovation and technology works. Uh, New technology offends the status quo, uh, tries to get regulated. Then these representatives who are aligned with the technology come and fight for it. And so Brian Armstrong and other lawyers at Coinbase are in Washington, D.C. doing the trench warfare of fighting this stuff case by case by case. So thank you for everyone who's in Washington, D.C. fighting that fight. It's really good. You got to put your suit on if you want to do that. Will
1: I ever see you um, testifying in front of Congress, David? I would put a on
0: a, I would put on a suit if, <laughs> if, if I was called upon to do it I would put on a suit and I'd go do it look that was only but thankfully s- I can just sit at home and talk about it <laughs> that was only the second uh, smack across
1: the face this week from yeah. the SEC uh, there's a third too and this was even more recent there's an SEC proposal that could bar investment advisors from keeping assets at crypto firms this is registered investment advisors who would have no ability to essentially custody the their assets. And so, if you want to give quote unquote real financial advice, remember everything on Bankless is just for entertainment purposes. We do not give fi- financial advice around here. We are not registered investment advisors. We'll never pretend to be. But if you are a registered investment advisor, well, Gary has just made it a bit more difficult to uh, keep assets on behalf of your clients at crypto firms. Uh, He's also what, made what a, a another influencer video to no help way. explain Did it really? to you.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, Gary's yeah, playing it. Let's watch it,
1: dude. Are we watching this one too? Oh, is yeah, it? we're watching this okay, one. Here we
0: go. What is a qualified custodian? I don't know, Gary. What does it have to do with the security? I levels? don't know. Tell me. <laughs> 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 I'm so excited to hear about this. A qualified custodian. No, no, not Groundskeeper Willie from The uh, Simpsons. Oh, that's He's what I was thinking. Kind. <laughs> of custodians, <laughs> I can't watch dude. Oh my dude. God, dude. <laughs> okay. So like, okay, what is it? What is the net effect of this? Um, and so actually, uh, this is something I hear out of Matt Walsh from, uh, the, uh, on the brink podcast. His take is that exchanges in the future will not also be the custodians of their customers deposits because that's how it's structured already in trad world. So would this is like actually a take it off kind of. This thing? is a take I've heard before. Is yeah. So like exchanges will just do exchanging stuff, mm-hmm. and then they will have a third party service provider to do the custodian stuff. So separation like, like of that, like keeping the private keys, somebody else does. Yes, that? exactly. Yeah. That's
1: well, kind of interesting that he would say that. I think that's true, but that's not necessarily true for bearer assets, is it? You ever go to the yes. like old banks and they have these ginormous bank vaults where like they keep safe deposit boxes and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And previously they'd kept other valuables like actual cash money and gold and that kind of thing.
0: Right, but, they, but those banks aren't also doing facilitating the swapping and exchanging and trading of those things, though. Ah, uh, okay. And so it's the combination of the exchange and the custodian that I think is what is being targeted here. So a quote from Gary here. Rather than properly segregating investors' crypto, these platforms have co-mingled the, those assets with their own crypto or others' investors' crypto. This is how Coinbase, I'm assuming Kraken, and all of these exchanges work. It's like Binance, too. When you send them um, your Ether, they spin up a temporary address, so you deposit your like. Ether into that temporary address, and then that temporary address forwards it off to like Coinbase cold storage or whatever. Mm. And that, that's commingled with everyone's deposits. They just mark on their ledger that this one person sent us this amount of Ether, but then everything does get commingled. Uh, and so the, the Gary Gensler claim is that when these platforms go bankrupt, something that we've seen time and time again recently, FTX is what they're going after, what uh, they're setting, investors' assets often become the property of the failed company, leaving investors in line at the bankruptcy court. Um, so you can see the logic also, is this what the SEC is for? How is this related to securities though? That is a good question.
1: Yeah, David. So, so here's really the problem is Gary Gensler is trying to completely delegitimize this asset class for mm-hmm. in registered investment advisors, which again, yeah. provide the bulk of financial advice to uh, Americans in the U S and here's a quote from an article we read about this. If the agency, that is the SEC, is trying to force advisors to go to banks with their clients' crypto assets, so they can only go to banks uh, rather than exchanges with clients' crypto assets, and the bank regulators are cautioning banks against crypto activity, is it making oh, crypto investing impossible right. through the advisors? Yes, of course. This right. is the operation choke point. This is how it gets. Right. So Gary is okay, coming I in, this. and it's like it, they're, they're sort of encircling. the the crypto movement. And so he's going in and he's being like, ah, here's a weak point, registered investment advisors, you know what we'll do? We'll just make it so that they can't keep clients' funds on crypto exchanges. They have to go to banks. Yeah, and then over here, you guys over here, like um, OCC or whoever else, like make it really difficult for the banks to actually work with crypto because it's a super risky asset, we've seen that in the recent months. So you right. sort of encircle the industry and like uh-huh. squeeze it off, like choke it out slowly
0: over time. Right. That's, so this that's is the this here. is the intergovernmental agency coordination. The SEC yes. is pushing all registered investment advisors to like, don't to store banks. your crypto asset with bank uh, with exchanges. It has to be banks. Crypto native exchanges, yep. the exchanges like Kraken and Coinbase, et cetera, yep. the people that are aligned with the crypto industry. Instead, you have to store your crypto assets with banks. Yes. And maybe in silo, you can accept that maybe, but then on the other side of things, you have all of the other banking regulators who are saying, um, hey banks, you can't store crypto assets. That's
1: the play, right? <laughs> oh. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's why it's so stupid and short-sighted. So. If that's the game, that's cool. Guess what happens? People it go completely, bankless. yes. And it completely delegitimizes not only the SEC, we said that before, but registered investment advisors. Mm. It mm. eliminates them from being able to they talk about even an write. entire asset class. So if I'm a millennial, and by the way, did you know that for millennial millionaires, the vast, like a lot of them, a majority of them actually own 50% or greater of their assets in crypto? That's a stat I read recently. Um, I'll pull up the source for that. Um, It's like you are making it so that a registered investment advisor can actually help you with this entire asset class called crypto crypto assets, which is like the biggest, most wealth generating, highest potential growth asset class on the planet. So what do you do? You just completely neuter registered investment advisors. Like why work with a registered investment advisor if they can't even talk about crypto? You don't have an incentive here. So that's the byproduct of this. And of course, our friend Hester Purse wrote another statement about this or uh, we what we might call a dissent on this as well. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. Um, I think this take from Jake Chervinsky really uh, takes it home for us,
0: David, on all of the actions from the SEC over the past week. Do you want to read this out? Yeah, Jake says, this proposal would flagrantly violate the SEC's mission by making investors less safe and by discouraging capital formation. It wouldn't directly affect investments in crypto companies since it only targets digital assets, not company equity. That's a small comfort, though, since it would cover many non-securities that the SEC shouldn't regulate. So this is just Jake saying this is a huge overstep by the SEC, which we already know. David, what are we looking at here? We got here? some memes. We got some memes. We are 55 minutes into this roll-up, and we've talked about one subject matter beyond markets. So we're going to end this with meme and move on. Uh, here's the SEC protecting us, protecting a sleeping child from Kraken. Meanwhile, Celsius, Terra Luna, FTX. Whatever oh voyager is just raining bullets down on the sleeping child again. Nice job. This uh, I love this meme format This is the dog that wants you to play fetch with it But it won't uh, give you the ball (laughs) at the same time So the dog the dog is please comply and then you reach for the ball and the dog goes no regulatory guidance only compliance (laughs) (laughs) I love this meme format. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good
1: Uh, David. All right on to brighter subjects Uh, blur Mm -hmm. did an airdrop this week. How much did people make? How did it go? Do you have any details for us?
0: Yeah, so trading the trading price of Blur at the time of recording, it's moving around a lot, but is something like two to two and a half billion dollars on day one of the Blur drop. Twelve uh, percent, yeah. So at one dollar, what is that fully diluted market cap? Three billion dollars. Blur. What is Blur, by the way? It is a tokenized uh, attempt at the a decentralized version of OpenSea. Basically, it is a NFT trading platform that's optimized for NFT traders people who are doing the speculation, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and so it is um, uh, just a new tokenized NFT trading platform, $3 billion market cap. Uh, 12% of the total supply was airdropped to blur people who went through the gamut of uh, qualifying for the airdrop. Interesting choice to make the airdrop uh, qualification criteria explicit. They tried to make a non-gameable uh, mechanism for airdropping the token. Uh, so that means that they gave away 250 to $300 million of airdrop to their, to, uh, their uh, I can't remember the number of uh, individuals I got, they, the token is quite a lot, uh, but pretty successful token airdrop, uh, I would say. I did a show with them, I did a show with Pac-Man, this is an Anon team, uh, so if you are looking to learn about a Blur and the details of the airdrop, there we already did a show with them if you are looking to uh, learn more. There's also, of course, you can go to earnify, which
1: is earn.fi, and get alerts when airdrops Mm -hmm. like this are happening. Just type your. Don't ETH miss address, an email address, you won't miss an airdrop. David, we got a lot more coming up. What's, what's happening?
0: Coming up next, Polygon's ZKEVM mainnet is set to launch in March. Are they going to beat ZK ZKEVM, which is also announced this week? Coincidence that happened on the same week? I don't know, but at least the ZKEVM wars are heating up. We gotta love that. Uh, SBF's uh, people that, pay, whoever paid for SBF's bail money, well, we know who they are. Uh, so we're gonna talk about that. SCF, Celsius issues a recovery plan. You're gonna get your money back, Ryan maybe Uh, and three weeks later ordinals are still a thing more alive than ever but first before we get to all of that super hot stuff a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible uniswap is the largest on-chain marketplace for self-custody digital assets uniswap is of course a decentralized exchange but you know this because you've been listening to bankless but did you know that the uniswap web app has a shiny new fiat on-ramp. Now you could go directly from fiat in your bank to tokens in DeFi inside of Uniswap. Not only that, but Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism Layer 2s are supported right out of the gate. But that's just DeFi. Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator, letting you find more listings for the best prices across the NFT world. With Uniswap, you can sweep floors on multiple NFTs, and Uniswap's universal router will optimize your gas fees for you. Uniswap is making it as easy as possible to go from bank account to bankless assets across ethereum and we couldn't be more thankful for having them as a sponsor so go to app.uniswap.org today to buy sell or swap tokens and nfts how many total airdrops have you gotten this last bull market had a ton of them did you get them all Maybe you missed one. So here's what you should do. Go to Earnify and plug in your Ethereum wallet and Earnify will tell you if you have any unclaimed airdrops that you can get. And it also does PoApps and Mintable NFTs. Any kind of money that your wallet can claim, Earnify will tell you about it. And you should probably do it now because some airdrops expire. And if you sign up for Earnify, they'll email you anytime one of your wallets has a new airdrop for it to make sure that you never lose an airdrop ever again. You can also upgrade to Earnify Premium to unlock access to airdrops that are beyond the basics and are able to set reminders for more wallets. And for just under $21 a month, it probably pays for itself with just one airdrop. So plug in your wallets at Earnify and see what you get. That's E-A-R-N-I dot F-I. And make sure you never lose another airdrop. And we are back. Ryan, you know what has set new lows recently is non-OFAC compliant blocks on Ethereum. Wow. Uh, This was uh, once upon a time a big concern. Uh, You and I were never really concerned about this because uh, basically because of the layer zero of Ethereum. Why is there an increase of non-OFAC compliant blocks on Ethereum? Uh, Because there is a culture of censorship resistance built into the layer zero around Ethereum. I was never really in doubt that this was going to happen, but the ratio between non-OFAC compliant blocks to OFAC-compliant blocks is up only. Uh, so Ethereum increasingly ignoring uh, OFAC-compliance, which is tight. Uh, that as continues the protocol to, should, as at the, the protocol, protocol level. Should. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, And this is, I, I saw this uh, graphic. I thought this was pretty cool. This is cool. so cool. This is an illustration of how a block is built. So on the left, you have uh, block builders. On the middle, you have block relayers. I and then this. on the right, you have stakers, people who yeah. are actually proposing blocks, block stakers. Celsius over there. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and so uh, it's just a pretty cool distribution of all of the Supply chain of how you make a block. Uh, this was the topic of a podcast topic that we had with Matt Cutler, uh, and so this is now. We knew, this was before we had that podcast. Before this was even a thing, because Matt knew that this was coming, uh, and so Bankless listeners got to front row. Okay, so all of this. so
1: on the left is what is that's block builders, block builders, and in the middle is relayers, relayers. So you said yeah, relayers. Okay, and then on the right are some of the big staking providers. Exactly, and you would be on the right as well if you're running if you're your an own individual own, like,
0: staker. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just maybe not depicted here. Because it, the, it, you know, it might also be the gaps between to, between the yeah, it's just not depicted. Ah, very cool. Look at the yeah. flows
1: here. Yeah. Um and ultrasound is an up-and-coming that is right. that is um that's an
0: up-and-coming relayer. And that is um ultrasound.money and it's yeah. also OFAC non compliant. Not OFAC compliant, yeah. Or yeah. OFAC
1: non-compliant. I don't know. I, I love, love the words compliance. Non-compliance. Uh let's talk about ZK, okay? Because the ZK wars are heating up. This is a tweet from Halo. Did you know, David? It's official. The Polygon ZK EVM mainnet will be launched on March 27th. After more than a year of intense and inspiring research, development, and testing, we're incredibly proud to launch the
0: first ever ZK EVM mainnet. A lot of people claimed first. Everyone wants you to know that they have the first ever ZK EVM. Well, who knows? <laughs> Who's going to be first?
1: I don't know who officially gets that title, but Polygon has a date here of March 27th, so that seems pretty uh, compelling. Um, A few things, like when people say that their thing is going to mainnet, it's always a question of like, well, what is actually going to mainnet? Are you like mainnetting a testnet version? Is that what you mean by mainnet? Or is it sort of a half version? Um, I believe this is indeed mainnet as defined by real assets and real users and open to everyone. So there you go. There's lots of other technical stats uh, behind this. And um, for me, I can't wait to, to use something like this the day it comes out. So mm-hmm. uh, stay tuned, Bankless Nation, for more ZK EVM content so we can explore this new world. But David, they are not the only
0: ones Mm-mm. that are getting close to mainnet. Um, this is ZK Sync. ZK Sync, yeah. Also announcing the ZK Sync era Main net. Uh, so for bankless listeners that don't know, there's actually two ZK Syncs. There's ZK Sync 1.0, which was the very, very early implementation of a ZK roll-up, which just did token transfers and payments. And then ZK Sync 2.0 came around, uh, and that was launched. A ZK EVM was launched on Ethereum months ago, except it was closed to only the ZK Sync protocol dev, so they could only be the ones to stress test this thing. Uh, they would shut down the network, restart it, like do an operating system upgrade basically restart it and so they claimed back then first except it was closed uh and so like like everyone's claiming first over and over and over again uh but this is the same thing as the polygon announcement where the zk evm is open to builders and so they are doing a uh where they're calling a fair onboarding uh so teams can sign up to get onboarded onto the zk sync era to start, to start building the rides for right? users, right? Exactly. Yeah, and so that uh, I've talked to the zk sync team, six to eight weeks of that of this fair onboarding time period, where everyone gets to have peace and quiet while they build their applications. And that starts today. Uh, That started today, Thursday. So yesterday for the time of listeners. So six to eight weeks later-ish, give or take, whenever the protocol devs of ZK Sync say that it's ready and secure, they will open it up to true, actual, real mainnet for everyone else to come. Uh, But we have this fair onboarding period where projects can... Deploy and test their DApps on ZK Sync Era. Uh, also has token bridges, um, and they are also going through uh, finishing up their security audits you know what? Uh, if, as
1: well. If one of them technically beats the other to mainnet, it's only going to be by a few weeks. Yeah, and that's what's so matter. great about this. It doesn't it's just, matter. <laughs> but I love the fact that everyone's competing and that this right. is a race. Um, now, mm-hmm. got to make sure you get security right. Obviously, this yes. is some new, more complicated mm-hmm. technology. So. That's something we won't be able to know until after the fact. Um, but uh, yeah, it's exciting to see for sure. I should mention too, both David and I are oh, yeah. advisors for Matter Labs uh, ZK Sync. And also I'm an advisor for Polygon. We love and support the ZK EVM ecosystem for sure. Um, mm-hmm. We also own some ETH, David. Disclose that. <sighs> I don't think we need to disclose that. Tornado Cash developer to stay in jail as the Dutch trial continues. This is cool. Alexei Pertsev. We talked about him so often when this happened in August earlier this year. This is just a heartbreaking title um, for the story. And it's like this guy has been in jail for developing open source code. Um, As far as we know, more serious charges have not been put forward. He put open, uh, he helped develop Tornado Cash, which is OFAC sanctioned. And now he's in jail for it. And uh, there's a trial going on. So hopefully this is not permanent. But the fact that he's been in jail for, I don't know, how long is this, David? Six months? months? Like almost
0: a half a year now. What? So I, I know you said like this is a disheartening title. So let me run this by you. Persev's lawyer said that they had a good beginning in educating the court about how decentralized finance works. The lawyer quoted said, We had the opportunity to explain what the basis is for Tornado Cash and why it is not money laundering. It is our opinion that the lack of knowledge is what's keeping him here. Dutch public prosecutors allege that Persev, rather than merely publishing code, said that uh, he accepted, accepted piles of suspicious cash without question. So there are two very different realities being uh, talked about here. We will see. Yeah, we will see. Uh, And so like, is this such a misunderstanding? And like, we have to just educate that tornado cash is what it is. You went to
1: jail for six months because we didn't know about DeFi. Sorry.
0: Or was Pertsev actually helping money laundering? Maybe there's much more to the story that we don't know. We'll find out. Yes,
1: it's true that we don't have all of the evidence, Um, but the serious charges haven't been... Laid. I guess that's what the court case is for um one other thing I'll say is look at the contrast. Alexei Pertsev is in jail and not able to be released on bail. Yeah.
0: who's out on bail David? oh uh this guy named SPF. who's on a, that, out on bail on like something like a quarter billion dollars <laughs> or something the, like. It's so crazy, the contrast here. Before we get to that, though, uh, Cosmo de Medici, who's of course known as being Snoop Dogg's Twitter account for the NFT world, 22 wor- pieces of works, NFTs from the Cosmo de Medici collection has been added to the permanent collection of the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, the first donation of on-chain art from a collector to a museum, and also the largest digital art collection to ever enter a museum. Uh, cool. It's nice just talk. on loan, right? That's what collectors do? You just loan it to a museum? I'm, I'm assuming, right? so yeah. Uh, them in yeah. this case. So or more NFT stuff. Ordinals, getting into the ordinal section. Uh, ordinal is or ordinals are up only. We are almost, Ryan, passing $1 million in transaction fees paid to Bitcoin miners from inscribing ordinals. We have passed over a hundred thousand ordinals inscripted into Bitcoin. So there's wow. over a hundred thousand NFTs on bitcoin which but it's is so cool. cool you can
1: have dune boards about bitcoin i'm not used to right? seeing dune boards on bitcoin and ordinals uh, so people uh, know are basically nfts on on
0: bitcoin Yep. Uh, are
1: these being sold on like OpenSea and other marketplaces? Yeah,
0: dude, <laughs> they <laughs> <That's> are. crazy. <laughs> well, when they are sold on OpenSea, they're actually sold as like a wrapped ordinal on Ethereum, which is kind of Oh, weird. it's 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 this this it's, it's getting cool. very very because Bitcoin doesn't have like on chain infrastructure to support some of this stuff. So like, yeah, the, the people were like trading OTC uh, like OTC ordinals with each other through this like public Google sheet. It's like all a mess.
1: Oh, see guys, it's still a TI eighty
0: three calculator. They're trying. They're trying, I mean, they're trying yeah. their best. Well, Anyways, cool. Bitcoin cute. punks are a brand new. NFT collection on Bitcoin. Uh, somebody bought a, a, a Bitcoin CryptoPunk, which are like much like the CryptoPunks that you all know, except with some mutations, some some changes to make them unique. Um, one one Bitcoin Punk was sold for nine point five bitcoins, dude. Wow, <laughs> it's funny that they're
1: following in the footsteps of uh, Ethereum. Yeah, right? well, like, don't don't tell
0: the Bitcoiners that. They this won't is like, uh,
1: like CryptoPunks, but for Bitcoin. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm hopeful that the NFT community in Bitcoin starts to establish its own independent
0: culture as well. Are we starting to see any of that? I think, yeah, I think so. So yeah, there is now a, like I said a couple of roll-ups ago, like ordinals are a place for different flavors of Bitcoiners other than the fundamentalist, like extremist camp to latch on and use Bitcoin in a way that's not necessarily aligned with like the maximalist flavor of Bitcoiners. So now there's like different, we can actually talk about different flavors of Bitcoiners with more like fidelity, which is great. Well, here's something
1: that you'll never see on Ethereum, and that is the Constitution of El Salvador being minted as an ordinal NFT. So that just happened. The reason you'll never see it on Ethereum, David, is uh, Bukele right. is a, a notorious Bitcoin yeah. I, maximalist. I would say, yeah, it's like he's more a, than a laser, laser-eyed maxi for sure. Laser-eyed maximalist, and apparently they uh, are cool with blocks mm-hmm. having NFT data in in
0: them. At least Bukele is, and yeah. so minted the El Salvador's Constitution here. Yeah, this definitely ruffled some feathers. So here's Did a it? quote from President uh, Nayib Bukele. Someday Bitcoin will host a distinct global culture that will rival Ethereum. <laughs> we think that that culture should be El Salvadoran. Michael Saylor responded, this isn't how Bitcoin oh, should no. be used. There was infighting? We Are don't like NFTs or smart contracts or any of this artsy-fartsy stuff. Bitcoin is a currency <laughs> the citizens of the world need to quit finding artistic <gasps> and profitable ways to use our blockchain. They can take oh, that no. nonsense somewhere Trouble else. in
1: maximalist paradise. You're okay. using the blocks wrong, Bukele <laughs>
0: Okay, so, yeah, uh, that was take a rug. your take that your finance
1: your nonsense somewhere else. That's what he said.
0: <laughs> is it fair for us to just like put words in other people's mouths under the uh, the the vibe of the rug? So this wait, is a wait. rug. No, that was a rug again.
1: Yeah. Oh, I got rugged, yes! dude! I didn't even look yes! up. Yes, I got rugged. That was a rug. I <laughs> got rugged so hard. <laughs> Ah! I love the fact that you this open up so these links and you stupid. don't even know. I didn't even look. This is so dumb. I think <coughs> Oh my god. You 100 percent believe me. I it? was that was even more than the last li- I got rugged harder than you got last rugged time. So hard. So ah. so the when the I was, rug t- you know what I was gonna ask you when mm-hmm. we got to the end of um our agenda when we were talking about things? Yeah. It's like, oh, you didn't put in a rug link. There must not have been anything good this week. <laughs>
0: can't believe So I when, this. when the the rug team passed this link to me, I was like, oh my god, this is so good. And so I, I pass it to Chrissy, who makes the agenda, and I'm like, all right, sneak this one in here in a way that doesn't <laughs> like trigger Ryan and see if he can just get into. Open. Okay, okay. So reset. None of that happened. None of that happened. No. So Michael this Saylor's is the rug. quotes. It's all wrong. This is the third the third rug that we have uh. put into the weekly roll up. Is it, what is the rug? The RUG.mirror.xyz. Dot dot it is the onion of crypto. Uh, last week I was not able to rug Ryan, but the week before I was, That's and the fact that I was again, actually baby. able to rug Ryan. The so second time is awesome. Last time. Uh, so nice job, Rug Team. Uh, the Again, the Onion of Crypto. You can collect this rug. I thought that only the first rug ever would be the rug that rugged Ryan because I thought he would learn, but I guess AIs don't this learn. This is so stupid. Um, yeah, I so can't if you'd like to collect right this here. rug. Yeah, it's it's the same website every time, dude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message... We can get
1: him to clip this. Uh, from
0: the, from the <laughs> I'm final. the one with the recording. <laughs> oh man!
1: <laughs> All right, Ryan All got right. rugged. All right, ignore so that, happened, uh, guys. Like, happened that, again. Two,
0: two marks, two rugs for Ryan. Mm. All right, moving on. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried's two bond guarantors unsealed, both with ties to Stanford, uh, and so the names of who paid for SPF's bail money has now been released. That was a big uh, question. These, these so people who? are Larry Kramer, the president of the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation and Dean Emeritus, Emeritus, how do you pronounce that name? Dean Emeritus at Stanford Law, and Andreas Pekepe, God, these names, a senior research scientist also at Stanford. Uh, Why Stanford? Well, that's because that's where Bankman-Fried's parents, Joe and Barbara, are their faculty at Stanford and close friends with these people. Uh, I mean, 250 million dollars in bond money is a lot of bond, a lot of money. That's scary. I, I have a lot of respect for Stanford professors, but they don't make that kind of money. I'm guessing that the parents are just like, "Hey, guys, help support our child." and Pay for some of the bond money. Also, here's some money to do that. I'm guessing that's how that happened.
1: That's gross, and, the, and definitely um, selling the name of the, the Stanford name, I'm bringing down with them. Yeah, uh, my mom went to Stanford, and now I
0: feel like this is personal, even though I didn't even go to Stanford. <laughs> don't
1: don't be don't be angry at your mom, though. It wasn't her
0: fault, David. It wasn't my. Like, yeah, my mom would have done that. Um, <laughs> Celsius. Okay, is there some good news for us? Uh, yes. So Celsius, there is a new plan. A new plan to. Uh, resolve all of the uh, debt that Celsius owes. So TLD of this plan, small customers, small creditors to Celsius, uh, people that have less than $5,000 are getting about 70 cents on the dollar in cash back, um, which is a lot of, that's most people. That's more than 50%. Uh, other customers with bigger balances, it's kind of hard to, hard to tell. 30 to 40% in cash, uh, of you're getting cash back. You also are getting equity in this new company that is being spun out of, uh, celsius that someone else plans to manage uh, not, so alex getting, not alex Mashinsky. not alex Mashinsky. zero oh, okay. founders and so a brand new company is being built to out of the the decimation of celsius uh and customers with bigger account balances and five thousand dollars are getting equity in this new company um and so that is that i mean i guess could have been worse right um 40 percent yeah. is better than zero
1: percent for those with five yeah. K or less. They get 70%, seventy percent uh, potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's all okay. I, I'm guessing the people with a lot of money in Celsius are not too pleased about this no. because they're, you know, maybe that's unfair from their perspective. No. But look, man, it's higher than like the ten or twenty percent I was mentally thinking. So yeah. that's something. Is, that's something. They're
0: also doing clawbacks too, clawbacks. which is nice to yes. see. Yeah, so Alex Mashinsky, uh, a bunch of basically uh, Celsius insiders uh, are asked or being asked to return the money, and also it at one point will not become a, a request. Can they like and seize their property demand? and
1: stuff? Like, how deep does this go? Oh, how yeah. deep does a clawback go? Like,
0: can you pierce the um, the that shield is, of that like- is up to a lawyer, a court to decide. Jeez. But we all know that both Christine Mihan Mashinsky, or I'm assuming it's Alexander Mashinsky's wife, uh, also, uh, like, we all know that Alex Mashinsky withdrew millions and millions of dollars from Celsius right before it got frozen. Yeah. Uh, So this is cool, David. (sighs) Uh, Shopify has
1: integrated with sign in with Ethereum. Shopify has been a huge supporter of crypto on kind of the, the cutting edge here. So this means you can now log in with Ethereum using the best wallet on the planet. MetaMask, most used, most popular. And you can also act- the sponsor
0: of Bankless, Meta-mask. Yes.
1: Thank you MetaMask. And you can actually like buy things?
0: Buy yeah, merch. Yeah, yeah. So not just not just sign in with Ethereum. I'm assuming Shopify using your sign in with Ethereum properties, you can like stick your address if you want to. It's up for your control or not. You stick your address and perhaps payment information into your sign in with Ethereum experience so you never have to redo that over and over and over again. And Ryan, the cool part is that you can also, they're they're releasing token-gated products. So when you sign in to Shopify with sign-in with Ethereum using your favorite wallet ever, MetaMask, your sign-in with Ethereum, the service will look into your favorite wallet ever, MetaMask, and see like, oh, are you an owner of... Uh, a particular asset. Well, then a we bankless will show a, a bankless for- poap, for example. Other th- bankless type assets. You can go to the bankless merch store, sign in with the best wallet ever, MetaMask, <laughs> and get uh, other products, token gated products, unlocked to you. And this is all in Shopify. Yeah, that that's super cool. So the idea of having like specialty merch that mm-hmm. only
1: specific token holders um, can actually select from that can be integrated with Shopify. It's really cool to see that.
0: So I don't know, maybe Bankless decides to do an NFT one day and then uh, that opens the door up for all of our NFT holders to access some really cool merch. Perhaps we'll talk to Metafactory about building some cool merch, uh, but it'll happen through sign in with Ethereum plugged into Shopify. And when you do that, make sure to use the best wallet ever, MetaMask, who's also a sponsor of Bankless. (laughs) Thank you for sponsoring MetaMask. Uh, Token
1: Terminal, they introduced financial statements for DAOs. David, this is just cool. Thought experiment, badass. Look, you know, um, the SEC requires that companies, publicly traded companies, release their financial statements, their 10Ks and such. Guess what? We can generate that automatically on chain with crypto protocols. More transparent than any regulated Crypto publicly traded publicly traded company could be crypto is is better regulated, crypto and more transparent. Company. Like I, I mean, look at this. This is zero um, X. View their quarterly financials here. There's even a terminal. download CSV button. Yeah, that is awesome. one inch, updated in real time. You don't have to wait on the quarter, right? Yeah. Where'd the revenue go? It's all on chain. Anyone, anyone can produce these reports. This Token Terminal made it really easy, friendly, uh, user friendly to do this. Like name name something. How um, any regulator w- w- can don't doesn't see the value in this is insane. This is a regulator's best friend. This best is the hypocrisy. I, I just want to emphasize: we we spend a lot of time talking about SEC and Gary Gensler. There's such hypocrisy in mm-hmm. the approach that they're taking because if you are a regulator, you actually care about the mission of protecting retail investors and um, it, you know uh, fair and orderly capital markets and capital formation, then you should be supportive. Mm-hmm. of an open, transparent financial system, one that allows you to generate financial reports in a second automatically from anywhere in the world. That is like unparalleled transparency. And here it is. You could just see very clearly. There is a very long
0: history of corrupt companies reveling in the black box that they get between quarter end to quarter end, doing a bunch of illicit shuffling and moving around debt and doing a bunch of black box things, and it only becomes transparent at one snapshot four times a year. You can, there is a financial statement for every single DeFi protocol that happens every 12 seconds, which is how long one Ethereum block is. It's so cool,
1: guys. This is why we're in this space. Uh, David, we got some more to talk about in this episode. What do we
0: have coming up? Coming up next, we got some questions from The Nation. We got a question about Canto as a result of the recent podcast, as well as Cosmos, the Cosmos chain versus Optimism's bedrock. So we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, we got three takes from the week. Uh, Ryan, brings up the subject matter that's not about crypto. So stay tuned for that take of the week. And also, what are we bullish on uh, and the meme of the week. So all of this and more. But 1st a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Arbitrum One is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With a recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum One and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, The Phantom wallet is coming to Ethereum. The number one wallet on Solana is bringing its millions of users and beloved UX to Ethereum and Polygon. If you haven't used Phantom before, you've been missing out. Phantom was one of the first wallets to pioneer Solana staking inside the wallet and will be offering similar staking features for Ethereum and Polygon. But that's just staking. Phantom is also the best home for your NFTs. Phantom has a complete set of features to optimize your NFT experience. Pin your favorites, hide your uglies, burn the spam, and also manage your NFT sale listings from inside the wallet. Phantom is of course a multi-chain wallet, but it makes chain management easy, displaying your transactions in a human readable format with automatic warnings for malicious transactions or phishing websites. Phantom has already saved over 20,000 users from getting scammed or hacked. So get on the Phantom waitlist and be one of the first to access the multi-chain beta. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to phantom.app waitlist to get access in late February.
1: Questions from the Bankless Nation Discord. Let's get to them, David. The first one is from Weston Estate Fan. Given the recent Canto podcast, how do you think Canto will hold up against established L1s and L2s? Are the public good infrastructure incentives through contract shared revenue sufficient to differentiate the chain? That is the question. Uh, Give us a refresh on what Canto is for folks that missed the podcast episode on Mm -hmm. it. And uh, then if you could answer this question.
0: Yeah, Kanto is an EVM compatible Cosmos IBC chain, which is a mouthful. So it's a chain on the Cosmos ecosystem that is EVM compatible, and its main differentiator is this thing called CSR, Contract Secured Revenue. Uh, and we had a podcast with Zach Cole, who's one of the core contributors of Kanto uh, over a week ago. Uh, and so the question, again, is uh, how is Kanto differentiated enough to hold its way up against other Layer 1s or Layer 2s? Um, interestingly, Kanto did not create or invent contract-secured revenue. Uh, Near, uh, as a blockchain, also has CSR and it's already been around for You're a very about long time. Uh, on the Layer 1 level anyway, on the right. Layer 1 level, yeah. yeah. So there's already other chains out there that have contract-secured revenue. Uh, near never really seems to have taken off. So at least Canto has found a way to bootstrap itself in ways that near hasn't. Um, I am not convinced at all that this short-term price movement in Kanto is indicative of its long-term health. That is needs to be proven out with proof and time over the long-term, which is a take we had last week. Um, so while Kanto is... At the beginning of what could be that, it is still very, very early. And so I'm still in the camp that this is just a short-term rotational trade, a little bit of a momentum play. We will see how well Kanto can hold itself up to uh, other, like like I said, other layer ones or layer twos. Um the, I, saw, I mean, you, we bankless people will let, know that our, I kind of think that anything of value ultimately becomes built on Ethereum. That's kind of the point of Ethereum. Uh, and so if it's proving to work at the Canto level, it is only a matter of time for a, an Ethereum layer 2 to copy that and run with it. And then you have what differentiated Kanto in a positive way. Plus all of the network effects of all the other things that benefit you from being on Ethereum. Um, and so I think the jury is definitely still out that Kanto has sticking power. You know, one thing it has that Near didn't is,
1: you know, Near was kind of like mostly a VC backed um, True. kind of coin, right? It's and so VG, who had VC all of the toy yeah. coins, a bunch of VCs. Kanto had a bunch of builders with right. um, the initial seed of their coins. Yes. So that's why we're seeing more early activity, I think, because right. there's yeah. it's more ground-up, organic, community-oriented sentiment. Right. Now, whether it can sustain that is another question. But there's also, I mean, Zach Cole, um, we had the podcast, also mentioned the possibility of like maybe at some stage, Kanto converts into a, a, layer, a layer two. Right. And he said that the reason they used the, the Cosmos app chain model is because those were the best tools available for launching a blockchain at the time they launched it, which was like, what,
0: um, last year, at the end of last year. It's the same logic as DYDX. Like why is DYDX going from uh, Stark X layer two onto Cosmos? It's because of the same reason why they started Kanto as a Cosmos chain. But it's it's in the design roadmap of all these layer twos to not have the problem that Canto cited as to why they became independent in the first place.
1: And I think that goes into the next question, which is really a question of Cosmos versus bedrock. So here's Mm -hmm. a question from Kyle Kaplan. Hi, I had a question about Cosmos versus bedrock. Cosmos has IBC, that's inter blockchain communication, that's a protocol for interoperability between chains. And I think bedrock will support interoperability between other bedrock chains. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you see a feature where projects use bedrock for app chains similar to the Cosmos model? So first, I feel like you have to explain a term, the term app chain, and then mm-hmm. you need to explain maybe like bedrock for us sure. in order
0: to answer this question. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks for the question, Kyle Kaplan. I love this subject. Uh, so, actually, one thing uh, that one thing of clarification: it's not Cosmos versus Bedrock. It's Cosmos versus the OP Stack. The OP Stack is the generalizable app chain infrastructure for Optimism. Optimism mainnet is upgrading to Bedrock, which is the first time that Optimism will use the OP stack. So Bedrock is one specific flavor of the OP stack. So it's the OP stack that is like the bare bones scaffolding that creates many, many, many different app chains on top of Bedrock, which is Optimism mainnet. Uh, And so like you say, Cosmos has IBC for interoperability between chains. And so Cosmos is like this mesh network of chains. There is no central mainnet. It uses IBC to connect all of these Cosmos chains into this mesh network that doesn't have a center. Um, And you are correct in your saying that uh, Bedrock, actually OP stack, will support interoperability between other OP stack chains. Uh, and so because all of these chains are being built on the OP stack standard, there becomes additional surface area for cross-chain composability inside of the OP stack standard. Uh, and so many, many, many app chains can come to be built on the Optimism OP stack. And as more, uh, as the OP stack becomes the standard, it becomes so much easier to abstract away the boundaries between these chains. And so you can get things like cross-chain synchronization of transactions, atomic transactions. Uh, and so just the walls bl- between OP stack chains start to blur. Uh, and so do you see a future where projects use uh, OP stack for app chains similar to the Cosmos model? That is the whole entire point of the OP stack is to create more chains that you can count and to have all of those boundaries between all of those chains completely abstracted away from the end user. And so that's why the optimism team has called this the vision, the super chain, because it's like a fractal root system of chains and you don't have to be worried about where you are on the OP stack it's hugely bullish one thing I'll it's say, extremely th- bullish one thing that's different
1: between kind of like the, the whole bedrock uh, approach and the op stack approach versus um cosmos is shared security is native yes. so all everything in bedrock it's a layer two of ethereum so ultimately it inherits the security of ethereum and so it all mm-hmm. settles that that's not true with cosmos app chains they have kind of unique validator sets and some of these can sort of mesh together and provide some shared security but there's not shared security across the entire cosmos uh, ecosystem and so i think that is a significant difference too but this is an example david of the ethereum ecosystem really catching up on yes. app chains because cosmos has been far ahead of ethereum right. in app chains i mean it right. was kind of built for this purpose and ethereum has not caught up yet, but I think it's going to start to with um, these Layer 2s and these kind of frameworks uh, and code bases like um, Bedrock that allow anyone to basically spin up their own Layer 2 secured app chain. So it's pretty cool to see. Another another war in progress between chains that only benefits the users and the
0: developers so while cosmos is definitely further ahead on the app chain world than ethereum remember like they are so far behind on the shared security and native money of cosmos it's the hard thing sorry let's talk
1: about some takes of the week this one was from balaji uh, so i think i prompted this tweet a little bit because i right. said okay crypto what's the best way to fight this rogue sec it was kind of on my mind given last week's event I feel like Balaji gave the best
0: answer to this. David, you want to read this? Balaji says, you need a state to fight a state. United States like Wyoming, Tennessee, Mississippi, Montana are passing bills in support of DAOs and Bitcoin mining. Meanwhile, foreign states like El Salvador or the UAE are recruiting crypto founders. Sanctuary states for innovation, both inside and outside. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting.
1: He's totally right. I think this is the ultimate answer to like, what do we do about the rogue SEC is you compete with them. You disrupt yeah. them. Yeah. He, he goes on, by the way, Be uh, than them. W- which is, I think, even almost even better than the parent tweet. He said the other part, we need to build a better financial regulator than the SEC free, open source on chain star ratings for crypto projects, eventually adopted by U.S. States and foreign states in lieu of the SEC, which didn't catch FTX. Guess what? The SEC ain't the only regulator in town. The U.S. ain't the only country in town either. And the SEC isn't even the only regulator necessarily in the U.S. We were just showing you on Token Terminal, boom, click, click of a button and you can generate audited, chain audited financial reports, right? Well, that is on-chain regulation in and of itself. That is using code to enforce transparency in crypto. And so Balaji's other point is we can build a better financial regulator than the SEC. That's ultimately what is going to shift SEC policy. Is um, you disrupt them, you outcompete them, right? They are the blockbuster of regulators, and you've just come out with Netflix. Uh, I really like his take here, and of course, you know, Balaji is very bullish on the network state ideas,
0: and, mm-hmm. and you know, that kind of uh, is the lens through which he sees all of crypto. Yep. Uh, Punk six five two nine. Moving on says, if cash were proposed today, it would absolutely not be approved. Yeah, this is like a consensus take by now in the crypto world. Yeah. And what does he mean by that? Just like physical cash money. If Congress said, "Hey, we've got this idea," it's like you mean paper a form money. of cash that we can't trace, and and people are free to transact without permission. God, yeah. we can't have that. It's peer to peer. It's peer to peer. It's private. You How do we regulate it? it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't make an influencer video about cash. <laughs> Uh, David, uh, Ryan Sean Adams tweets out: "How old were you when you realized the adults have no idea what they were doing?" Ryan, I feel like there's a backstory to this tweet. There's actually. I was just thinking about it. Of um, oh, okay, well, I'll
1: give, maybe give my answer to this question. Is like, I actually think that um, how old were you when you realized the adults have no idea what they're doing? I think that is the point when you realize that at which you actually become an adult. And oh, when you have to take on responsibility because you realize that if you don't know, one else will. Yes. That is actually the marker. Like that's kind of for me. It was almost like the meta answer to this question. It's going to be a different age for everyone, but mm. that is what marks adulthood. And some people reach that mm. at different times. For me, it was probably like gradual over time. It wasn't just suddenly like I woke up and I'm 15 years old. And I'm like, what the hell? These adults. It, it was just like gradual data collection, being like, and then right. getting in places where it was. It was sort of cohorts of groups where I was like. Well, of course, these adults don't know what they're doing, but there's smarter adults out there that have more influence and power, and surely they know what they're doing. No, it's adults not knowing what they're doing all the way down, right? Like everywhere you go, you see this. And uh, so I guess maybe for me, it's been a journey of gradually coming to that realization and becoming an adult over time as a result and taking on that responsibility, being like, okay, well, I don't really know what I'm doing either, but I'm gonna give it a shot. And if not me, these other adults don't know, and uh, so I'm going to band together with, with others that also want to take on these types of adult responsibilities and make the world a better place. Uh, but
0: same question to you. Like, when did you realize that the adults just don't know? Yeah, I think for me, it was crypto. Uh, I didn't. I woke up to this kind of ideas. Like, wait, most people don't know shit about <laughs> most things. We're all just, as humanity, just making this up as we go. Uh, and it was really crypto that, using crypto as a lens for viewing the rest of the world, um, that allowed me to kind of see that, like, so many other people don't know what they're doing and they're just making things up. And yeah. it was like, oh, if you can portray confidence, a lot of people will just start listening to you, no matter what. Which is terrible because that is not the right thing to optimize for. They optimize the optimize optimi- thing to optimize for is like being correct and responsible. Uh, I'm a firm believer that responsibility is the meaning and purpose of life. to take responsibility and put, responsibility on your shoulders uh and so the, the, that's the realization i had uh, once again in the end of 2022 after like three Arrows capital went to zero and terra luna was dumb and bad and we knew it yet people still follow terra luna and ftx and spf like a lot of people just posture and a lot of other people just follow those people and meanwhile the responsible adults kind of get drowned out at least in that particular phase of the market and so like once again it's like god damn it you have to fix all this <laughs> that that uh, is, I, I i i hope that's the
1: bankless um call that's why we call you know p- people who are in the crypto journey for the long run settlers right it's right. Um, you're taking on adult responsibilities in crypto because we yeah. actually want to grow this community and this movement for the long run and mm-hmm. um we're gonna make long-term decisions here not
0: not short-term shortcuts uh remember remember the subject of my talk at eat Denver or at shelling point right? oh uh shelling point was last year no, this year. No, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, you said psychology, you're, 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 right? It's like how, yeah, the way that how crypto, crypto protocols... grows you up
1: and matures Exactly, you. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's
0: part of the subtext. It's like when you have self-sovereign money and finance and yeah. self-custody and influence over your protocols, you are given a lot more responsibility. So I think the advent, I'm just teasing bit by bit by bit, my talk <laughs> over the last few weeks, the advent of crypto protocols will help society grow up faster because it gives us more things to have ownership over Yeah, I, and be responsible for.
1: I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um... David, let me ask you the question I ask you every week. What are you bullish
0: about? So, all of this uh, clamoring about the ZK EVM, Ryan, uh, taking what I learned from Starkware, uh, the Starkware sessions uh, that I was at a yes. week and a half ago, um, so much more can go on chain with a ZK EVM than even with an optimistic rollup. So, there's just like this untapped playing field. Obviously like some things come to mind, like on-chain gaming, we can put more of our game logic on-chain and make that composable and people will pl- use that as a playground. But that's just like one thing, more and more things that go on-chain are more and more surface area for more and more things to get built. And so like there is this world out there called the ZKEVMs that are going to have more things, more logic on-chain and allow for more composability. And we have these teams that are racing to produce this new real estate. There is going to be so much innovation as a result of the this zk EVM is, is world. This, this really that is, is people are not accounting for.
1: This really is like crypto's uh, broadband moment. moment. Broadband
0: moment, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And yeah. that's like when we, the internet we could got not really have good. had the in dial-up land. We could not have had Netflix. Yeah, this is going to be the same thing. We're going to be able to get like all of the use cases of the internet that require high throughput we're going to apply that same logic to ZK EVMs. We're going to untap this massive new field of what can be done because we can put so much stuff on chain. Yeah. I
1: don't know if you ever saw that clip. It was from like 1993 or something. And it was like Bill Gates being interviewed by David Letterman. And, Mm -hmm. uh, he was asking like, like Bill, like explain the internet or something. And, um, Bill Gates was like, well, you know, you'll be able to kind of listen to um, broadcasts uh, right. online and music. And Letterman's like, what, you mean like the radio? The radio? <laughs> yeah. Right? And, he, and he, everyone, and everyone laughs. Right. Everyone laughs. Like, yeah, what a joke. But like, it, it's just back in 1993, that was beyond, po- like, it was impossible. Right. You couldn't even stre- stream, stream I don't even know if we had MP3 uh, compression format back then, but you Probably certainly not. couldn't uh, stream sound, let alone video. Okay. And no uh, 10 years later, uh, we had broadband and everything right. changed. So all of the right. crypto use cases that um, people have said are on the horizon and and they are coming and um, like crypto gaming, and all these things that we haven't seen yet. I think a lot of that's just been waiting for broadband. And uh, yes. this is the beginning of that.
0: I will say that is definitely true. Like all these crypto use cases, like streaming payments, like stuff like that. But also importantly, we just there's so much there's more stuff than the stuff that we know about in the world that we don't know about. Like yeah. there's new stuff that we do not know about yeah, that we cannot that imagine. We'll and we just out. need one creative developer to do something. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden a new world happens. And that's what I'm bullish on. Yeah, right, cool. What, what are you bullish on, Ryan?
1: Uh, more AI content on Bankless, David. <laughs> I feel like we got to do it now. Um, so we recorded a podcast with uh, Eliezer Udkowski earlier this week. Mm. It comes out Monday. If you are... A Bankless Citizen, you already have that episode. And it was the first podcast, David, where I feel like I was prepared for a completely different podcast than it turned Mm -hmm. out to be. And I'm like, I'm Mm -hmm. almost like doubting myself. I'm like, maybe like, did I do kind of a shitty job on that? Like, uh, I mean, you were there. It was just a Mm -hmm. very hard... It was a difficult interview. It was a yes. difficult interview. And we
0: accidentally a, stumbled into like 400 level AI content. Yes. Uh, I, I was telling you, David,
1: before like when we were recapping that that episode where it felt like um, we, we wanted to get some, uh, not necessarily light AI topic, but just like an overview right. of AI. And let's learn a little bit about AI and how it intersects right. with crypto. And like rather than like doing the level one boss, we do, went all the way to the final boss. <laughs> and like genius level AI guy who is um, very doomerist about the entire yeah, project. Yeah, AI, AI doomer, yeah. Basically, I mean we we titled the episode we're all going to die because that, that was the conclusion. The entire it was the start, it was the conclusion, it was the middle, it was all of it was we're all going to die. And um I that the the debrief of that episode, I actually might go back and listen to it again because I was in a pretty bad mental state like after that episode, almost like existential dread type of stuff, which um I don't know that I've been hit like that in a while. Like, obviously, we all, you know, when we first realized there's nuclear weapons that can blow up the world, right? That's that's kind of a moment uh, in your existence where you're like, wow, this is like we're on a knife's edge of success right. or failure as a species. And this was another one for me. Not that I hadn't heard the kind of the case for um, artificial general intelligence and how it could spell doom for anyone. But it's just to see someone uh, in, not in the flesh, I guess, across the screen, but like to be with someone who has clearly thought about this, tried his hardest against it. And almost like, I don't want to say given up, but like, is just, he's reached this inevitable conclusion that we're all going to die. It was, um, it was very, um, I don't know. It was, it was a moment for me, a memorable moment. And, um, there might be some like failings on that podcast too. I feel like, like. Maybe there are different directions we could have asked him. And so I'd love the Bankless community's kind of feedback on what we could have done differently. But all of this means is I, we can't let that be the last episode on Bankless about AI, all right? Because uh, if it is, I don't think we've told the full story. There's got to be someone much more optimistic about things that are going on in artificial intelligence. I'm looking for like another doctor to give me a second opinion on that mm-hmm. terminal diagnosis that Eliezer just gave us. That aside, Eliezer's uh, brilliant. I think it's a really right. interesting episode. If you want to see two crypto guys try to like not to get dragged down, uh, in, like going in too deep in, in the deep end with this subject, then this is the episode they you know, like to 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 watch. But uh, yeah, I've been thinking about this episode the entire week. So um, it's I don't know if I'm really bullish about it. I just wanted to fit this in. I wanted to tell that to you right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, uh, hopefully I hopefully have good news for you, Ryan, because uh, Vitalik... Uh, put me into DMs with Sam Altman, uh, and so uh, got a response from Sam Altman. TBD, so whether I can get him to say yes to come on to the show. Uh, but this would be the first ever. This, Sam Altman's the guy behind Chat GPT and OpenAI. Oh right, yeah, right. And okay. I don't. I don't think he's done a podcast since the rise of ChatGPT. GPT. So if we could land that interview, that would be awesome. Uh, and also, that would be the <laughs> the more optimistic, uh, typical, happy flavor of Bankless content that we would be able <laughs> really to really got there me down this week, man. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you did. <laughs> but I'm also bullish on AI content. Um, and this and like this isn't just Bankless. Like, oh, Bankless is doing AI stuff. We talk about front running the opportunity. That's one of the main themes of this show. Eventually, AI and the in crypto worlds will collide, and we want to equip the bankless community with the ability to understand that inevitable conclusion, which is why we're doing AI stuff. David, we also talk about coordination
1: failures. And if we yeah. can't protect ourselves from artificial general intelligence, like that, that is the mother of all coordination failures. If we screw right. that one up, isn't it?
0: Right. Yeah. Bankless
1: is much more of a coordination podcast than it is a crypto podcast. Well, I'd say. So is Ethereum coordination yeah. technology. That's uh, coordination that's technology. really the hope here. Uh, all right. Mm-hmm. Meme of the week, David, what do we got?
0: Meme of the week. What do we have in this meme of the week? Sell me this Satoshi. This is what what movie is this? Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, sell me this Satoshi. And this is the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, holding up a pen, and he's like, "Sell me this pen." Uh, (laughs) So the response to "Sell me this Satoshi" is, "It's an ordinal." (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) For those that don't know, an ordinal is uh, and basically data that's appended to a single Satoshi. So all of a sudden, a single Satoshi can have the value of an NFT. Uh, That's the meme. Very cool. Uh, All
1: right, guys, risks and disclaimers, of course, none of this has been financial advice. Neither David and myself are registered investment advisors. We (laughs) never will be, at least maybe David will someday. I won't. I can promise you that. Nope. Uh, Crypto is risky. You got to know this by now. We tell you every week you could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.